Sales Tuners, episode 92. Paige Drews, head of sales at Indio. He said, I can't believe you're doing this. What about your family? I looked at him, I said, but wait, would it be weird for me to say that to you? This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown, the only weekly show where we talk about the attitude, action, and ability that gets sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. It's time. It's time. It's Sales Tuners time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Rosa Parks, who said, knowing what must be done does away with fear. Joining me today is Paige Drews, head of sales at Indio, a software platform built specifically for property and casualty insurance agencies. But Paige's career hasn't always been in the world of sales. Her eclectic journey has seen her as an assistant surgeon, working with at-risk youth, and even running a working farm where she says she spent most of her days squinting and staring at the sky praying for rain. Sales tuners, I'm a month away from debarking on a year-long trip around the globe. I want to connect with you. The first three countries I'll be visiting are England, the Netherlands, and Ukraine. If you know of great sales reps or companies doing really cool shit, I'd love an intro. All right, make sure you stick around to the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. You can also check out all the links and show notes at salestuners.com slash 92. But now let's get to the conversation where Paige talks about how her curiosity in literally everything opens her mind to different opportunities. I'm incredibly naturally curious. I have interest in absolutely everything. Things just catch my eye. Shiny penny, shiny penny. So if you can think of it, I've probably dabbled in it. Speak just barely multiple languages, can understand most, at least by reading them. Um, Taught myself to cook, how to sew, uh, have raised animals, farmed, have done just about every single sport. I'm horrible at all of them. But I just collect these hobbies. I'm also an artist on the side. I've shown a few pieces here and there. Just write everything that you can think of, really. Paige, in this show, as you know, we talk about the attitudes, actions, and abilities that have led to your success. So I want to start with your sales process today. What is Indio and why does a typical customer actually buy from you? Indio is a software company. Um, We service PNC insurance agencies. Specifically, we help the agents uh, with their enablement. Um, taking the application and renewal process and putting it online in a format that is uh, more conducive to the customer experience. Um, Clients buy from us because we're really, it's one of those very simple products that just makes a ton of sense. It's like, why wasn't this already being done? Uh, The insurance industry is horribly antiquated with the way that some of their workflow is set up. They're still working with fax machines and paper and pencils and pens, that sort of thing. And um, there's no need for that. Uh, They also buy from us beyond just being an amazing product. They buy from us because um, the way that we run our process here is very transparent, very honest, and it's very consultative. So we're very pain-based. If you don't have a need, then we're not going to beat it over your head. I like that. Now, we're going to jump into that because I want to talk about that transparent and and pain-based process. But uh, you haven't always been the person that you are today, uh, but I know you've always had a clear future of what that would be. So take me way back. How did you actually uh, make that transfer and get into sales? 
I've oftentimes said um, I'm a tall girl and I, you know, as tall as I am, I still love to wear heels. And I've made this joke because, and even before I was in sales, I just, I came out wearing heels and being able to sell. It's just been part of who I am from the time I was really, really young. I was, my parents, I'm sure would have described me as horribly manipulative, just really able to get my way at figuring people out. I love to understand how people really tick and how to get them to do the things I want them to do has been incredibly lucrative for myself and helped me with my career. Now, more directly, how did I get into sales? Um, I hit rock bottom and I needed to reinvent myself. And I thought, all right, well, there are two ways to do that. I can either credential myself, which is going to take a lot of money and a lot of time, both of which I had none of. Or I can say, my last employer saw this much value in me, so you need to pay me you know, this much on top of that. And where could I do that? Sales. Yeah, absolutely love that story because sales to me, uh, not only is it the best, best profession in the world, it is the profession where you can choose to make yourself be whatever it is that you want to be, given that you put in the work ethic. And so I've heard the story of grit and determination and perseverance so many times uh, on this show and just with all the reps that I work with uh, on a daily basis. One of the things though, uh, Paige, as you and I spoke before, you talked about one of the things that, that uh, happens to you is you get asked about being a woman in sales, but often it's with somebody beating around the bush. So I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm going to ask directly, what is it like for you being a woman in sales in what is, for the most part, a very strong alpha male dominated industry? I grew up a tomboy and had just a number of male friends. I still do kind of rough and tumble, uh, but I like to dress up fancy. And so I've always been very attracted to just being in that kind of environment of, you know, the boys club. But once I got into the career mode of it, I realized I'm still very feminine and I still work and behave very much like a woman in an area that the language is very male based, you know, it's especially in sales, there are a lot of like sports references. Um, I realize that women are athletes as well, but sports and military kind of references, and you very seldom see this, the type of references that you do growing up female. So it's been eye opening, um, really trying to figure out how to stay true to myself and stay the soft feminine and, you know, emotionally embracing kind of girl that I am at the same time, making sure that I am able to compete, you know, both uh, for the numbers that I need to hit and quota, but also for my place at the table. Um, A lot of the things that we're seeing right now in our society, it's a bit more black and white in the sales organizations. Um, I don't shy away from that. I try to embrace it as best that I can, but it's been a a very steep learning curve in understanding how to navigate and how to still, like I said, demand my seat at the table. It's so wild. Like, you know, as, as a man, I don't have those problems. And so therefore I don't uh, often 
observe or 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 see that it is an issue and a problem. I definitely was not going to ask you the logistics questions, but you brought it up. So let me ask you this question, Paige. What advice do you have for the women out there listening to this show uh, to maintain their voice and making sure that they get to have that seat at the table? And first, before I even go into that, I, I'd like to say I really appreciate you saying that. I think that goes into my first piece of advice as a woman is to recognize that it's not, there's not malicious intent. There's a, huh, I didn't recognize that. I didn't realize that. Um, even when I received this job, the, the very first time I went out to San Francisco, which is where my headquarters is, I was sitting having a drink after work and this guy was sitting next to me. We were both kind of in the same situation. Uh, both had new jobs, both were there remotely. And he asked me what I did and I told him and I asked him what he did. He told me and he said, I can't believe you're doing this. What about your family? And I, I looked at him, I said, but wait, would it be weird for me to say that to you? Yeah, no and kidding. he looked at me and he thought, I guess you're right. Because he'd had he had kids too and he was working remotely, but it hadn't even dawned on him. It had he just he thought he was paying me um, a compliment, like, oh wow, that's really interesting. I can't believe you're doing this. You know, what about your family? How are you handling it all? But he didn't realize that it was it was, you know, kind of backhanded at the same time. So that's my first piece of advice is to um, let women know that it, it's not typically with malicious intent, that sometimes it's just kind of naive. You know, the times have changed rapidly. Um, women don't have the same kind of mentors historically that men do. You know, um, if my great grandmother held the role that I have right now, she'd be written about in her town newspaper. But if my great grandfather had, maybe not. We just don't have the same kind of mentors when we're trying to play catch up. And it's an understanding of the playing field has been the thing that's been most important and most helpful for me so that I'm not taking anything personally and I'm not building up some sort of resentment that I just realize that things look different from both sides of the table. I know you have plenty of hobbies, but I don't know if watching Netflix documentaries is one of them. But have you seen uh, David Letterman's My Next Guest Is? I haven't. I haven't. I've seen it pop up because <laughs> I'd be lying if I told you I don't make time for Netflix. So, sure. so I, I spend a lot of time there, but I haven't seen it. Well, Should I check it I'm, out? Yeah, here's why I'm bringing that up because uh, his most recent one is with Tina Fey. And he talks to her about what it was like being the head SNL writer, uh, you know, from, from a comedy standpoint. And he, they, they talk about exactly what you're just saying right now. It's not a malicious intent, but she would fight for jokes for so long that the men who were the head writers would be like, that's just not funny. And what they didn't realize is that to 50% of the audience who was female, that would have been hilarious, some of the things that were going out there. And it took her a long time to do that. And once she did, she just made sure everyone not only had a voice because it wasn't just that, but it was that they looked at things from other people's perspectives. And so some of the men, they would ask, go ask your wife about this. Go ask your girlfriend about this. Go ask your mom about this. And just hear from their point of view whether or not they think it's funny. And as they started to do that exercise, like all of a sudden the guys came back and said, okay, that was actually really funny. We've got to do this joke. And it was just interesting for me to, to see that perspective. It's a great learning experience, you know, in all aspects as we talk about it all the time, but, you know, in leadership and women in leadership positions, it's important um, 
to just step out of your own world. You know, I say this with my sales reps and my prospects, even you've got to swing around the table and stop staring at each other from across the table and get around on the other side and looking, look at it from that perspective. It's a totally different world. So let me flip the question uh, page that I asked earlier. I asked if you had any advice for the women out there listening to this show. Uh, I now want to flip it and say, what advice do you have for the men out there who, and I, and I don't even know how to phrase this question, but I want to say who are working with hiring or working for women in the sales environment. I'll do you one better because the, I get asked when it comes to it, women in the workforce questions, men ask me constantly, men in leadership positions ask me constantly, how do I attract women, you know, to either sales forums, sales conferences, sales roles, sales leadership positions, sales, anything. How do I get women there? And the answer is, you have to remember that women go to the bathroom in herds. The way to have women in these positions is to have women around. And so for men, the advice that I would give to them is to spend, just like they tell their reps, more time listening and a whole lot less time talking. Listening to like what Tina Fey was saying, you have to listen and see it from these different perspectives. Go and ask these questions, you know, and just understanding and listening um, typically, you know, broadens your perspectives and the horizons of what what's really there, and gives you, if you need to look at it from a competitive stance, um, a competitive edge just by knowing who's out there. But these women are outperforming men left and right, and all these different sales organizations, and they're they've got tremendous value to add. Um, I think that the way that we do embrace that more is to just listen and bring them into the table or bring them to the table more often that they're given the opportunity. I think this is absolutely fantastic. I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. Um, I, I know in your background page, you um, at Outbound Engine, where, where you're with Scott, you moved from sales rep to sales manager over the course of a weekend. Now, I want to understand not only how you did that, but then how you also managed to break the record uh, for a rookie sales manager. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Scott Lease had actually been, I, I have I oftentimes describe him this way in our mentor-mentee uh, relationship as having a boot on my back and just pushing me to do more. So I think it was within about two months of working with him at a previous company to that Main Street Hub, he was saying, I really think that you should be in leadership. And I was making too much money as a, you know, with very little responsibility to think about going into leadership. Um, but by the time I was able to hear him out and I did come around, I was hungry and I was ready for a change. And um, there was just this massive determination of, I need to step this up another notch and just do the things that I know how to do. One of the things that was a concern with bringing me into a, a position of leadership, I don't believe that Lise really felt this way, but other people you know, that were part of that decision were, she's a very high performer. I don't know that her um, process will be scalable and reproducible, which oftentimes is the case with high performers. Um, there was that little 
I don't know, ember of fire that I just really, really wanted to prove them wrong. And then another one was probably the pit of what pushes me as far as um, grit and just that, God, that pissed me off. I was once told while trying to move into a higher level position, um, we really appreciate everything. You know, you, you've all you've always been a can do. Everything we've given to you, you've been able to do, and not just do, but excel at it. We're really excited to hire a has done. And that phrasing, and I was nearly verbatim to that being said to me over a, over a phone call, has always pushed me to outdo and just rack up all of the has-dones that I could do. So I did, I went from being a sales rep on a Friday to being a sales manager on a Monday with a full working team. And we crushed it that very first month. I think we hit 90% to goal. And that was the record for any rookie sales manager. And I had a full team of tenured and rookie um, sales reps working for me. And I mean, we just somehow all came together to crush that voice in my head that says, yeah, you're a can do, but there's always someone who has done and just not allowing that to stand in my way. I really like that can do versus has done uh, notion, but, but get specific, right? So how did you get them to rally around you, right? Because you were a first time sales manager. They were sitting there, as you said, some of them were tenured, some of them were rookies. Why did they look to you or, or how did they look to you and how did they get that motivation to go and hit the, the goals that you'd put in front of them? Yeah. So, um, as I was saying earlier, I like to sell from a place of why and a place of pain. Um, that's kind of how I live my life. I do things, uh, for the greater why behind it, not just how I'm going to do it. And it's typically pain based now, because that's how I live my life. I'm very, very good at finding other people's pain and manipulating that to my own <laughs> power. Um, so I did a lot of like, uh, not just soul seeking with myself, but looking at my reps and determining what it was specifically that they were going to need. And then also taking one of my strengths, which is turning chaos into calm and forcing that upon the behaviors of those around me. So there were three things that I really did. One was focused on my individuals and helping them to achieve the things that they needed to feel, you know, empowered and be successful and really paying credence there. Um, it was setting things in place and creating calm out of what had been a very chaotic situation. And then I got some really great advice uh, from my mom, actually. Um, when I went to her and I was looking for like, how am I going to do this? And she said, well, you just have to make the main thing, the main thing. And that has served me very well. So on a daily basis, I would think about what needs to be accomplished. What is the main objective today? And if I couldn't really look at the full day, then I just thought about the morning. And if I couldn't just think about the morning, then I thought about the hour. And I thought about the main thing. And sometimes it was my individual rep who was struggling or had some outside the office drama that needed to be set aside before they could focus. Um, sometimes it was a you know simple 
little lead issue or Salesforce or technology issue or needing more uh, training on the platform itself. But um, yeah, making that main thing the main thing was able to help us as well. Now, this led you to uh, directly develop five of the company's all-time top performers. So Mm -hmm. I can definitely see now that inspiration. What did you see in them that allowed them to become the top performers? What was that like key thing? I think my strength and my, my true value to helping companies really uncover talent that's already there is doing exactly that. You know, I'm very good at just clearing pathways for people. You know, um, we talk so much in the world of sales about mindset, but oftentimes that's all that's really said about it. Sometimes you have to take your top rep out for a spin at a ridiculous speed around the city to get her mind set so that she can crush the rest of her day, which was a true story. Sometimes you have to be the call at one o'clock in the morning because you're the person that's most trusted and you were their one call and you've got to be available for that. Um, Sometimes you have to throw yourself under the bus and take one for the team so that you can get something done for your sales reps so that it makes their lives easier. Sometimes you have to be the bad guy. Sometimes you have to take the fall, you know, but um, I've been put into this position and I, 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 I'm very thankful for that. Um, But developing those people was much less about myself and much more about just clearing away so that they could achieve the things that they were always meant to achieve. I appreciate all that. And you did mention ego in there. And I think that any uh, great salesperson, uh, anybody who's had any level of success in sales does have an ego. But I know that humility and transparency are big parts of what make you you. So what's that balance for you, Paige? How do you, uh, yeah, that's it. How do you balance the ego with the need for humility on a daily basis? Mm -hmm. I started that actually as a sales rep and realizing it was manufactured humility at the time. I was very successful, but I knew I could be more so. And I was trying to figure out what is holding me back. And I realized it was myself. You know, I was over talking. I was cocky. I was overconfident. I was skipping steps. I was doing all of these things out of my own desire to be the one talking. And so I started just, and I've, I have a rep, I guarantee if I walked through the sales floor right now at his current position, he'd probably look at me and he'd put his finger to his mouth as if to say, shh. And so there's a constant reminder of my, to myself of just, shh, just be quiet. No one wants to hear you fucking talk anymore. <laughs> Excuse my language. Um, but there's that is a thread that goes through my day um, in whatever I'm doing is a checks and balance. When I need to stand up and be heard and be saying, then I do. But I need to take a step back and allow others to talk because the reality of the situation is that it's not all about me, that there are all of these amazing opportunities to really excel based on the talent that's around us. I have seen so many who could be great leaders absolutely fall flat on their face because they try to be at the head of the table 100% of the time. I'm sitting here shaking my head. And as you, as you said that, I'm looking down at my notes. 
about where you had talked about being on the other side of the table as a sales rep, as getting on the other side of the table with your prospects is the same thing in that leadership role. What I'm hearing you say is sometimes you need to get out from the head of the table and sit with the rest of your team just to understand where they're or what they're thinking about. Paige, I'm going to take a quick break so that I can say thank you to my sponsors. But when we come back, it's going to be time for the money round. So you don't go away and sales tuners, you don't go away either. We'll be right back. You've heard me talk about them for a couple of months now, but you have to check out Costello. It's a deal management platform that aligns frontline sales reps, managers, and VPs so they can work together to consistently close more deals. They help reps get the right deal information from prospects, give reps and managers visibility into the quality of every deal, and help sales leaders understand what's working and what's not. Check it out at andcostello.com. That's A-N-D-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O.com. We're back and it's time for the money round. Paige, are you ready for the money round? Sure. Absolutely. Here we go. What's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? I shifted my mindset to one that saw true value and consistency above all others. And when I became consistent is when I became exceptional. I could just carry so much more through that consistency. If you were to start over today in sales, what would you tell yourself to spend the next 30 days doing? Listening. (laughs) I would spend the next 30 days absolutely listening. If I was going to be selling a specific product, I'd want to be listening to first the prospects and hearing what makes their lives so difficult, what's so hard for them, what would make their lives easier and better. The other thing that I would listen to would be just listening to those who had gone before me and hearing them untethered from like preconceived notions of how things could be and uh, shedding any former life of what I knew up until this point, just so that I could go in brand new and fresh. Two part question for you here. Which phrase describes you best and why I love to win or I hate to lose? I absolutely hate to lose. That's the worst. I could not tell you about all my wins, but I could absolutely tell you about my losses. Paige, what's a book that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others? So The Prophet by Khalil Gibran, I've read no fewer than 50 times. There's something for everyone at every part of their life, including sales. And the other one is Ava's Man, which is really just about grit and determination and um, a good mindset towards life. Sales Tuners, if you'd like to check out Paige's suggestion of The Profit for free, head on over to salestuners.com slash book, and there you can sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible and browse their over 150,000 titles. Again, that's salestuners.com slash book for The Profit. Paige, what's currently at the top of your bucket list? I would absolutely love, you know, I'm at a place in my life right now that I'm trying to really enjoy some of the art that's around me and both that nature has provided, but also things that truly do inspire me through the arts. So the top of my bucket list is a split. I'd love to go and see the Galapagos Islands. I'm a a science nerd at heart. And so I'm very interested in seeing like that evolution split that's so uh, easy to identify there. And the other places I'd love to go and spend some time in Vienna and walk around very quietly absorbing some of my favorite, most inspiring artists. What's the biggest piece of advice you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding today? The biggest advice I was ever given was to make myself so valuable and immersed in the process that my absence would 
hurt. You know, um, I think that's amazing for those sales reps who are just getting started or trying to distinguish themselves is to take on more responsibility. But for those who are leaders or maybe would be touched in a different way, um, it's to be fearless in your failure. It's to be humble in your success and it's to be grateful in both. I loved getting real with Paige. You can just sense the type of leader she is by her constant drive to see things from other people's perspectives. If you want to get in touch with her, she said she's not a big social media person, but is active on LinkedIn. Reference something from our conversation and she said that she'd be happy to connect. Let's get to my top takeaways. Number one, sell from a place of pain. There's been a lot of debate lately, even on this show, about whether pain-based selling still works. I can tell you, I will forever be in the pain camp as the way to go because basic human psychology sees us trying to move away from pain more often and with greater rigor than we do toward gain. That said, I like how Paige tied the concept to the greater why. Regardless of your opinion, digging deep enough to understand why a prospect wants to make a change will always put you in the driver's seat. Number two, turn chaos into calm. Take a look at the immediate world around you. I'm talking about your daily calendar, your personal sales process, and heck, even the notifications on your phone. Living in a constant state of chaos and distraction is a heavy mental burden, and it's exhausting. If you find yourself scatterbrained and never having enough time, stop what you're doing and write down three things you can do to change your environment. Then actually do it. Number three, make the main thing the main thing. I'm not a proponent of multitasking. In fact, I've read all the studies that prove that it's actually not possible. As you look at all the things on your plate, what's the main thing you need to accomplish this week? What's the main thing you need to get accomplished today? What's the main thing you need to get accomplished in the next hour? Focus on that. The rest will sort itself out. That's it. Those are my takeaways, but I'd love to hear yours. Please tweet at me at salestuners or shoot me an email, jim at salestuners.com. I reply to every message that I get. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, I'm Jim Brown. Let's make it rain. Thank you for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. And they stay there. And they stay there.